This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey everybody, Carm Capriato, Remarkable Results Radio on the Town Hall Academy, week 366. I've got a topic here that I've wanted to talk about for a long time, and I decided to take the dice and roll it and see who I could get on to come on to talk about what's leadership coaching. I got to introduce my panel to you. They're sitting here in the green room. Wow. Dave Shadeen, CEO. CompuTrack Automotive Solutions, former shop owner. Hey. Great to be here, Carm, and Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays and stuff. I'm excited about this topic because it's one our industry needs so much. Totally agree with you, man. Rick White's here, 180Biz, former shop owner. Hey, Rick. Yep. When I was in the shop, my position was bent over. (laughs) (laughs) That's very interesting. I can't say that I recall a role like that ever. I have to write that down. Dan Taylor's with a senior business advisor from the Transformers Institute and a current shop owner. A current shop. Yes. Yeah. We had a great year. We took this week off and ready for next year. So happy holidays. Happy 4th of July. We'll throw your listeners off a little bit and yes. uh, I'll have to double check their calendar now. Hey everybody, I want to thank our our partner Napa Tracks. Hey, let's face it, your shop management system is the most critical tool in your shop. Napa Tracks will move your shop into the SMS fast lane with on-site training and six days a week support and local representation. That's key. Six day a week support. Find Napa Tracks on the web at napatracs.com. Okay, when I was putting this together and thinking a lot about it, I want the goal of this episode to help certain shop owners realize that not only business metrics, but also personal improvement goes a long way to running a better business. How do you approach leadership coaching? Do owners know that they even need it? Transitions do you see in the people that you lead when they accept this? So thank you for being here, Dan Taylor. So you really got to work with the client and let them understand who they are. Self-assurance. Yeah, and it's more than self-assurance. It's really critical to at least acknowledge kind of who you are, how you're wired. There's obviously hard wiring and soft wiring. And I'm a big advocate of assessments. I don't call them tests because they kind of have a negative connotation. But if we can do assessments with folks and understand kind of how they're made up, how they look at things, their philosophy on things, their approach, reactions to certain things, whether they be emotional or cognitive, then it really helps set the stage for them to be able to lead themselves. Everyone's a leader, period. And here's what I would submit to everybody. Worst case, you lead yourself. And so everyone's in a leadership role, whether it's leading themselves, but we all are part of communities, whether it be family or neighborhoods, teams that we're on. So back to the original comment of by understanding ourselves, then we have a better opportunity of coaching ourselves and moving forward with having an impact on others. Rick, you're a big fan of John Maxwell. I saw that in your talking points and so am I. How has he influenced what you teach? Probably the biggest thing is asking more questions and staying curious longer less judgment and basic understanding, no matter how stupid something seems. If you ask enough questions, it made sense to them. And your job isn't to critique them or to punish them, but to understand their thought process so that you can help them maybe adopt a better way if there is one. I've been blessed a couple of times where I thought somebody did something and it was completely like out of left field. And I'm like, what the heck did they think? And after we were finished talking, I'm like, damn, I would have done the same thing. So they saw some stuff I didn't. And I think the biggest thing when it comes to leadership is when shop owners recognize that it's a lot easier to pull people than push. 
I would rather pushing is when you're more managing, micromanaging, babysitting everybody, and you get really, really tired of that and recognizing that there's something better out there that's actually a lot more fun, invigorating, challenging, and that's actually to step into a leader role and and start to pull people, get them excited about where you're going and why you're going there and, and that kind of thing. Rick, to your point, when I was traveling through the world of business and life, I always thought that I had to be the answer man. And I had this total fear of not knowing. And then there was this point in time in my life that I said, I'm in this meeting and there's too much that I didn't know. And so I needed to start asking what I thought were stupid questions. And everybody's going to look at me like, you didn't know that. Realizing that no one knew that, I gained confidence in the fact that I was asking the questions. And to that point forward, it was very cathartic for me to be sure that I asked everything that I needed to know about what I didn't know. And people were coming up to me saying, thanks thanks for asking that question. I didn't know either. People were here. The rest of us were here. And we had to figure out how to bridge that gap. Now, as the leader, that is poignant to know. Don't talk above and over. Well, and I think the first thing to do is be that person willing to ask the questions. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't understand what you mean. You know, there's an old saying that says, ask a question and feel stupid for five seconds or remain silent and, and feel stupid for a lifetime. And I think that's really important. David? I think as I've been talking, some things solidified. I'm a big proponent for assessments too, and not just personality, but behavioral types. And we do the same thing. We, do, we call them assessments. They're an assessment of who you are now and behaviors that are in your life right now. Really, leadership comes down to the context of the human condition, which is to be known and to know. And leaders, whether I'm a shop owner, I'm a brother, I'm a friend, I'm a HO, whatever I'm, I'm on, whatever I'm in, is that how well do I know them? And it's making the bad news bears assumption when you assume anything of where I think I know them, but I never ask questions. And maturity comes with knowing, are you just talking statements? Dave, did you, what question did you ask first? And really go into a relationship connection about understanding that person to understand the gold in them. And then as leaders, no matter what leadership role you're in, whether it's self-leadership or your team leader, you're a gold miner. And we need to understand what does it mean to tap into the gold in somebody and create the space for them to want to release it and not necessarily have to pull it out of them. There's times when shock callers, I get that, pull, push, drag, use car in. and But we need, we need to go there. When I found one of the assessments that we use is a pre-hire assessment, measure somebody in honesty, integrity, reliability, work ethic, and for places we can still ask these questions, a substance tolerance. And the honesty, integrity, work reliability, when I first started using these assessments way back in 2008, the younger generation coming in, there's a scale of one through nine. We would see a lot of six, seven, eights, and nines. Five years later, the next generation is coming in. We're seeing three through fives. And it's like, oh my gosh, my first reaction, well, you can't hire these guys. They're going to be a pain in the butt. But the volume coming through with low reliability, low work ethic, low integrity, we didn't hire them. But what it meant is that as leaders, we have to learn to be mentors. And the place of mentorship is a key role in leaders because leaders is we enroll somebody to be a better version of themselves. We have to mentor that process. That is awesome. (laughs) 
Couldn't agree more with you, Dave. I do want to throw this caveat out. The more I learn about leadership, the more I realize I don't know jack squat about it. Yeah. <laughs> and I yeah. continue to yeah. like, I was just wowed by what Dave just said. Let me add on to that. We had a guest speaker uh, at our most recent conference that we had. His expertise is generational stuff. And I found this incredibly comforting. And it, it feeds right into what Je Dave just said. We know there's certain stereotypes and a lot of times they fit and sometimes they don't. But the Y gen or the Z gen, which is your basically, if you take cuspers, early 30s and younger, officially it's like 26 years and younger. Here's what was really cool. That group that Dave just talked about, and, and I'm sure it bleeds into millennials as well, which now make up 75% of our workforce, they crave mentorship. They yes. crave mentorship. And so here's some of the reasons why this guy stated that it's so important that we put on our mentorship hat right now, and which obviously leads is this conversation about leadership. This generation lived through a recession. So they saw people get laid off, the Great Recession. They lived through a pandemic. And this is the one, you know, I, I taught for four years as an elementary teacher. And I'll never forget every month we had this particular drill. And it was active shooter drill. And as a old school grinder, I get emotional because that, I can't imagine what it's like. And, and I protected those kids. I said, you know what, Mr. Taylor's going to be here no matter what. My life is on the line for you guys, right? But it's a very emotional thing for me because we had a whole generation that had that particular part of their life, part of their, their view of things, they are suspicious and they do have some different packaging and viewing of life. And to Dave's point about mentorship, we have a golden opportunity to mentor folks right now and they want it, they crave it. You know, the core of mentoring somebody and leading somebody is if you yourself are not on a journey of a better version of yourself, you're going to lead your people to the level of journey you're on because you can't lead them beyond where your capacity is. And when we lead people on the journey of personal development that we're on, we'll lead them to greater heights than we've ever done before. And a real world example of that is that in 2010, my life blew up. I've been coaching for about four years. My average client was gaining 204 grand of new GP dollars in 12 months. My life blows up. I put $50,000 of personal development into Dave because what Dave was happening, Dave did not work. I was not leading myself or mentoring myself or even looking at the gold in myself. And when I shifted that within 18 months, all of a sudden, same coaching technique, same coaching, tried and true proven systems. Now they're gaining 304,000. Well, who changed? I changed. And that context for me was eye-opening because as I coach now, I look at the number one thing, and it's even in the training plan agreement, is that this is about you, Mr. Shop Owner or Manager, who's ever authorized in the plan. This is about you becoming a better version of you. It's about the goal, and it's not about the goal. Let's face it. Your shop management system is the single most important tool in your shop, period. Napatrax was built from the ground up to make your business more profitable and efficient. We provide an extensive set of tools to increase and track profitability in real time. Napatrax offers the industry's best post-sale support, hands down, and we train your people on-site. Yep, on-site. And we offer remote refresher training 10 times a week, and customer support is open six days a week. Give us a call, visit the website, or join our Facebook community today to learn more. We'll prove to you that Trax is the single best shop management system in the business. Napa Trax is always customized and tailored for you, whether you're a one-man shop or a large multi-bay or multi-location company. After all, it's your shop, so it's your choice. 
Visit us on the web at NapaTracks, that's N-A-P-A-T-R-A-C-S dot com. I think in summary that this entire episode was just discussed in this last couple of sentences. You have to fix, if they're willing, Rick, to be changed, to be fixed, to find their new high, their new value, their new leadership goal, their new mentoring I'm excited because if I was working with you guys, if you're going to make a better version of me, then I'm going to make all my people better versions of them. Where can the business go? Well, I think it's super, super important to understand that leadership is an invitation. I'm on a journey. I have a physical destination. I've been thinking about this recently. We don't achieve goals. We grow into them. And I think the goals, they're just mile markers to show us the development, right? but we grow into our goals and you can have, the truth is like you can start, I don't know if you guys feel the same way. I can start working with a shop owner and we see tremendous growth, but then we hit a plateau and the plateau is because the shop owner is trying to do it all by himself. We've got to get him to understand that now it's his job to start to turn around and become that coach to his team to see the potential in them when they don't see it and help them realize it. Right. That's where the invitation is, because they can choose not to play. There's always a choice. Mm. It's important as a leader to recognize I can't make somebody do something. I can't make somebody better, but I can invite them to become better. I don't know if that that's a great word. By the way, guys, before you jump in here, I think the question to this episode was what is leadership coaching? I think Rick just said it to make coaches out of shop owners. That's the answer. And so that's not, hmm, KPI, gross profit margin, profit and loss statement. None of that is that. And so when you hear, you know, everyone's occasionally you see the negative about coaches. The only thing coaches are going to do is tell you to raise your labor rate. Bing, wrong. That's wrong. The right coach is going to take you, this piece of clay called you, put it on the wheel and find a new vase, if you will. (laughs) Again, it's like Dave said, you find the gold in each person. And it's funny because we look at somebody and we see the gold. They look through themselves and all they see are the cracks. Right. Right. And it's helping them to understand that there's something bigger inside of them. And, you know, the Japanese have this wonderful thing. I can't say the name of it. But when a vase breaks, they put it back together with gold and it becomes a better version of itself due to the imperfections. And instead of helping our team recognize that those imperfections are what make them individuals and help them see the potential that they can still become on their own. Like it's my goal that every person that ever works with me walks away from us at some point realizing they are way better off, way better prepared than they were when they first came in. Coaches, I want to ask you a question. You're working with a client. Do you ever feel the shift that the client is now asking you how to be a better leader? It's pretty fun, actually. It's amazing. <laughs> it is. And every client's different because we typically start you know, with a 12-month you know, coaching package. And I've seen it happen before I ever come on site. And I've seen it be the last two weeks of the, of the 12 months. It doesn't matter when they get it, as long as they get it. My goal is that they get that element. How do I start leading? And some of them are so stuck 
in left brain got to have a how-to mechanism. And it's about all the doing in the world is going to make me better. In reality, it's Carmen's like to show you and I did the other day. It's it's be, do, have. Be the best version of you possible so you can do at levels you've never done before. So you can have a blessings that you've never had before. And it's when we're in the state of beingness and and True leadership is really stepping into what's the beingness I need in me right now in this situation. The tech's late for the 15th time in a row. This is the fifth comeback on this tech. This is the fifth miscommunication with this service advisor. How do I lead that tumultuous tension moment? How do I lead myself in that moment so that I can best lead those people? But but to answer your question is when they get it, when they start seeing it, it, it's amazing to see, to me, that's transformation when they actually let's put it this way it's breakthrough breakthrough is seeing something from a different perspective you've ever seen before when we apply the breakthrough to our life now we start to transform our life and so the, the i love the breakthrough of clients when they go what's it mean to be a leader and first thing i do is okay in this last 12 months whatever it was where have you led your people because I didn't do the work. I just coached you. You guys did the work. Where did you lead your people? What are the new results you led your people to? And they start discovering, oh my gosh, I did it. I did it. They're already the leader that they think they need, that they think they want to be. They're already there. It's the next level after that. And I think it's important that when we're talking about this, when we're talking about leadership, we don't mean the military style of leadership, right? We're not talking about commands and do this and do that. That's not leadership. Right. That doesn't work. Even if you like read anything Jocko Willink writes, extreme ownership, that is not even there in the Navy SEALs. So we've got to get that picture out of our mind and recognize that being a leader means asking questions. Being a leader means being authentic and vulnerable. It means having the courage to open yourself up and let others see the good, the bad and the ugly. By doing that, we're inviting others to do the same. Right. And it's creating that safe environment. You know, what amazes me is I have a client up in Canada. We've been on a, in fact, he started, he was working with me for a while and stopped. And then he came back and he says, I really want to work on being a better leader. Well, recently his two of his top techs were at a training event and one of his competitors got their cell numbers and basically sent a text to both technicians. And these are texts any shop would die to have and basically said, give me a number. I will make it happen. And both of them replied back saying, you couldn't give us enough money for us to leave. And then they went and they showed the owner the texts. And that because when you are on that path of leadership, culture is a byproduct. You can't help but create the culture that's going to attract other people that love that style of leadership, love the direction you're going, the destination you're going to, the people that you're serving. It makes a huge difference. You guys both tapped into the word humility. Yeah. I, I don't know of a sweeter aroma as a leader than humility. Guys or gals saying, yeah, drop the ball. I, matter of fact, I, I had to do this myself. I absolutely stepped in a pile of my own stuff. I, for some reason, I liked the taste of my own shoes. And I had really <laughs> goofed up uh, interaction with somebody. At the last live meeting, I walked up to the person and held their face and said, I, I owe you an apology. And I know I said that on through other forms, but I, I want to make sure you know, I learned from that. And humility is really attractive. I think the packaging of the words, we've talked about leadership over and over again. I've got a lot of data points that show coaching. Like if we can get an owner to stop thinking of themselves as an owner 
or even a leader, but as a coach. And I know, I know sports is not usually our vernacular here, but it's so much more palatable to the ear because people are receptive as, as players or team members being coached. And as a coach, it's a different format and you're allowed to speak into the journey differently. And you're also allowed to own stuff. I mean, coaches own stuff all the time, called the wrong play. You know what? We went about this incorrectly. Let's back up as a team and, and reassess. You don't have to be perfect. And I think one of you guys put that in your talking points. Perfection is really a shadow we never escape. But if we will pursue excellence, and I know I'm stealing one of your guys, I also profess that a lot. Let's let's pursue excellence. It's much more flexible. And if we can be an excellent coach and pursue that every day, we have a great chance of making an impact on those that we do lead and mentor and have an impact. You know, that what you just pointed out there, Dan, is really the number one strength for a leader is humility. And humility opens up doorways in our ability to lead. And the number one way it opens it up is are we approachable? Do we understand our humanity and the decisions we make, the frailty, the weakness, the the challenges and the crappy decisions we make at times? And are we open enough to own it? Because when we own it, there's humility in that and not false humility, but true humility. But are we approachable? And a lot of people, a lot of team members won't raise their voice for a lot of reasons. One, if they're low in assertiveness, they just never will. And because they didn't raise their voice, we as leaders think, oh, they didn't object. Therefore, they must be on board. And that's one of the false assumptions of a leader. But but really, shop owners, hear me this. Be open. There's really two leadership styles. There's the command that we a lot of time associate with the military, bark an order. And then there are certain situations where you need to bark an order. Hey, the building's on fire. Let's not form a committee and sing Kumbaya and figure it out. <laughs> Let's get out of the building, you know. But then there's the other one, lead by commitment. You're challenging the goal in somebody. And part of leadership is also once you've led somebody, mentored somebody, inspired somebody, now there's a thing called accountability to have longevity of the result that you want. And that accountability, I heard a new definition back in 2013 or 14, uh, Chris Valentin, powerful leader, former shop owner, by the way, he's now in a ministry aspect, but he said, accountability is an account of your ability, not your inability, lack ability, lack of want ability. <laughs> it's an account of your ability. And when we really challenge the ability that they have the gold within them to complete the, the task at hand or whatever it is we want them to and stop pointing out the failure that they just did, but point to the gold that had the, within them to actually create the result we wanted. I think it's important. Humility is a very cool word, but I think a lot of times people see that as weakness and it's not. Right. You can be confident and humble. It just means being real, no facades. It means being willing to say, I'm wrong or I don't know. The best thing you can do to coach somebody is not to give them the answers. It's to ask them the questions and help them come up with the answer. That's what leadership's about. That's what coaching's about. And when you can be real about something, be real. You made a mistake. Fine. Own the mistake. Why? so that your team feels safe to do the same thing. And then ask questions so that you're not jumping to conclusions. Why? So your team does the same thing. And that's what you've got to understand, that as you step into this leadership role more, as John Maxwell says, we are the greatest responsibility of a leader is not to create a following. It is to create more leaders. 
And we're going to do that with our actions. Guys, I got to stop for a moment and try to collect on these great, great thoughts of the last 10 minutes. So my point to the listener is, so when you're going to hire a coach, ask for, prepare for not only the business side, but the personal. In my opinion, if you eliminate the personal side, what's in it for me, what's in it for the business, I think you're stepping into a relationship with only one arm in the water. and. You should ask the coach, are you going to help me and the business? And to your point, Rick, if you're going to elevate yourself as a leader and people are going to mirror you, then you're creating leaders around you because they want to do all the things that, hey, I'm in coaching and this is great and we're all going to go through this thing together and I'll share with you what I'm learning and to their surprise a year and a half down the road, they themselves in the business is nowhere but thumbs up. Is that a great message to send to our industry? It is. You know, you talk about Maslow's pyramid. If you've got someone that's, they're bleeding cash, it's hard to talk to them about being a better leader because they're worried about eating today. They're worried about paying the bills today. So before we can get to self-actualization, we've got to take care of the other steps first, but it should definitely be made aware that this is where we're starting, but this is not our focus. Our focus is to take care of this, triage it, treat it, but then to get you to hear, that is the goal of a coach, right? Is to help you self-actualize and become the best version of yourself and realize that that's not a destination, it's a journey. And I think every one of us is on that journey. I truly believe the day we start, for me personally, the day I stop learning is the day I start dying. And that's self-reflection, meditation, you know, listening to podcast books, you know, things like this. I've gotten some great perspectives from uh, Dave and Dan, and it's pretty cool. And, And to be able to just look at every opportunity and every person that you have and come in contact with, like I have a keynote that's called the seven business lessons I've learned from my four-year-old grandson. And it's kind of fun. I I have fun with that one, but it's true. Everybody that's in our life is a teacher. One of the strongest leadership lessons I ever got was my from my grandson. One Sunday morning, I'm on the iPad in the living room. My grandson comes up and says, Papa. And I go, yep. And I'm like this on the iPad. And he waits a second. He goes, Papa. And I go, yes, Brandon, what's up? And he's about five years old at the time. And he says, Papa, I want to talk to you. I said, go ahead. I'm listening. Five years old. He says, Papa, listen with your eyes. Hmm. Right here. Right. How many times do we, even in the simplest of acts and moments, because this is where leadership is defined and where trust builds. It's not in grand gestures. It's in these little micro moments. When someone comes up to your office and you're typing away or doing something and they ask you a question and you're typing away, you answer it and they walk away. You missed an opportunity. You missed an opportunity to show that person they mattered. You missed an opportunity to stop what you were doing, to give them your full attention and treat them with the respect that they deserve. You can feel it, just like Brandon. Oh my God, what a lesson, Rick. I'm telling you, man, I I, I got teachers all around me. (laughs) I've met Brandon and brings him to the conferences to do all of his heavy lifting for him. (laughs) (laughs) He's a pretty awesome kid. He's 15 now. He went to Tools Super Saturday at ASTE with me this year to help out with the classes in the booth. It was a blast. We had so much fun. You know, it's amazing as I look at the coaching arena, there's a lot of dynamics that a lot of shop owners who I believe there is a breed of shop owner who is ultimately a coach that would give back to our industry. And we need more of those. There is so much need for coaching. One of the blessings of coaching, should someone consider that, is that 
it is my path of personal development because I can't tell you how many times the phone will ring, an email will come in or a text will come in and somebody's business, house, whatever, something burning in their life, catastrophic. And the very thing they need coaching on, guess who else needs that coaching? <laughs> Me. And it's amazing how when I feel a little bit stuck, all of a sudden stuckedness comes out in my clients. And they're feeding me the very thing I need to walk them out of it. It's like, and I'm a big proponent, you know, practice what you preach. And humility to say, sometimes I have some really good sermons and it might be good for me to follow those once or twice. <laughs> but there's, there's times when my clients are actually helping me be a better version of me, which the challenge is if you are an a shop owner thinking about coaching, step into it. There's a lot of different mechanisms. You don't even need to organize yourself or call your name or whatever. Just reach out to another shop, start coaching them. Watch what happens to you. It's funny. You'll never, ever, for me, if my wife ever wanted, we'll have, be having a lively discussion, my wife and I, and she will look at me, smile and go, what would you tell one of your clients right now? <laughs> I tell you what. <laughs> we all get that question, don't we? Oh, man. Hey, I listened to you tell this guy that. Why don't you follow your own darn advice, right? Yeah. You mean there is a Rick White persona that's public? This is it. Oh. But Rick makes mistakes and steps on his own feet. My mom used to tell me, you don't put your feet in your mouth. You put your feet in your mouth and try to walk. <laughs> so... Sometimes things don't come out the right way or you don't handle it the right way. Just like everybody else, it's like relationships. Right? It reminds me of the phrase my mom said is that, you know, David, words are a dime a dozen. Just try to buy one of them back, though. Hey, any great stories that you would care to share, names are omitted to protect the innocent, that you can say, listen, client came on, we worked on the business, and then there was this breakthrough? Well, I have one from this morning. I got a phone call from, a, well, and I'm a little bit different role in that I have a lot of leadership groups. Guy calls me and says, I saw your note. Speaking of all this stuff, I sent individual personalized notes to 140 people this morning. So it took me about four hours. But those are the little nuggets that I care about these people. I'm thinking about them. I want great things for them as we, as, as we look into next year. And he said, I called you because you sent that note to me. So like Dave was talking, very reciprocal at times, the energy that flows back and forth. And he said, you probably don't know this, but my mother passed away last month. And then he told me more of the story. His mother literally passed away in his arms. They went out to lunch oh, wow. and, and she passed, right? He said, what do I do? I said, I have no idea, dude, except I love you. And I am, you have my condolences. Right. I don't know what to say. A half an hour later, we're talking about the ocean of emotion called grief. The breakthrough moment for him speaking, you know, that was the question. I said, I suggest that you get some third party counseling, go to a grief class and, and kind of work mm -hmm. through this. That's a lot to take on. And he kept trying to mentally break through this. Like I should positively, I said, what are you talking about? You just had a tragedy happen in your life. Why would you not be really messed up right now? And that, you know, as far as just dealing with everything, but the breakthrough was, he said, thanks for reminding me that I need to do that. I'm going to try. And I said, no. And of course I have fellow coaches on here. Want to hear the word try? There you yeah. go. Ain't no trying, dude. I need you to make the phone call today. And I need you to set up somebody and, and just start unpackaging all this stuff. So great 
breakthrough moment. And those were seeds planted over the last couple of years. That was one literally that happened this morning. It was very humbling for me. Maybe we overuse that word today, but I am humbled that people call me, trust me, safe place, as Rick mentioned. And as Dave said, reciprocal kind of energy, right? It really made my day because I want to give back and I care about this. And I will continue to pursue him over the next couple of weeks and make sure he's okay. Guys, I don't want to derail this great conversation, but it's an important message that I need to have. We did an episode back in September of 23. It's episode 885. The title of it is The Unspoken Reality of Grief. And I had a grief counselor on, Jacques Brokus. And I got to tell you, it was a very moving episode to listen to and the positivity that Jacques brings to loss. I, I got to tell you, it really changed me. Please, link in the show notes since you brought this up, Dan, about grief and how you deal with it. 885 a podcast. You know, the client breakthrough transformation for me was somebody who is did phenomenal with their training. And this particular shop owner is a very driven, typical A-type personality, take control. She does come from a place of faith-based and she has a genuine, compassionate heart. And we got to the point where her shop became very profitable, very profitable to the point where she was going, hmm, how much profit is, is enough? And I said, you know, that depends on your purpose and your calling. Why are you on this planet? And uh, she goes, well, it's not always about the money. And I said, I'm going to give you something that was challenged to me that moved my life forward. Is that my mantra used to be about coaching and auto repair shop and everything I did. It's not about the money. It's the journey. And you get into the esoterical, touchy-feely things, which a lot of shop owners don't want to get to. But the very touchy-feely things you won't get into is what's actually running your business. And so in this realm, this voice spoke in my life, a guy named Brian Clemmer. And he said, people who say it's not about the money are the most selfish people on the planet. That's mine. You can't take that from me. He said, you go down to a third world country and you watch a child die in the street. Tell me it's not the money. And so the challenge was I passed that baton on that what I get, it's not about the money you're making now. It may not be about you. What could you give back? Imagine average client now gains 340 grand of new GP dollars in 12 months. Imagine that's like over 16,000, almost 20 grand a month of new GP dollars. Imagine if a thousand shops all gave a thousand to five thousand dollars a month for automotive scholarships back to our industry. We could affect that shortage of technician in a very short amount of time. Imagine being able to pay technicians what you really need to pay them. It's not about you. Bless your people, bless your community, bless your family, bless the people around you. We were, you know, coming from faith-based, we were created in the image of a creator. It's our job to create. And a part of us, some of us have been gifted with the favor and anointing to blessings to create financial increase. And with that, how are we going to steward that? What are we going to give back to? And so the breakthrough was her understanding Oh, what financial is bigger than my shop? Impact, my legacy, not just a Subaru, but my legacy I can leave behind is can be a foundations. It can be so much more if I really get out of the box of looking at money, only how I look at it. It was a great transformation. And yes, Dave needed that same breakthrough as well. <laughs> Interesting parallels. Rick, you got a story? Well, I got a couple, actually. It was funny. I had this, you want to talk about a type A personality. This guy was a steamroller. He was an absolute tank. He didn't care what he did. He just did what he had to do. And that was it. And one day he called me up and he said, what the hell are you doing to me? 
And I said, what do you mean? He said, I was talking to my wife and she said, I'm nicer. What are you doing to me? Good job. Um, <laughs> so that was the first thing. And that was a long time ago. But that was very, very cool. Probably one of my biggest stories would be Tom. You know Tom. Sure. Tom and I started working together back in probably 2004, 2005. And we've been off and on three different times. And he's to the point now where he's almost an absentee owner and he, he's starting to actually coach in our business with us. Awesome. And we have two other shop owners just like that coming in. And it's amazing to see these guys get to a point where their businesses, where the businesses are kind of running themselves and now they want to start to give back. And it just works out so nice. They kind of do everything the way we've got it set up and it works for them and they know what it works. You know, what? they've gone through it and they know. And that, I think, is the most fulfilling part is when these guys, for me, stepped up with my back. When I, my back, I had back surgery back in November of 21. And for two months before that, I was a, the walking dead. I went from back pain to not being able to walk and ended up with back surgery. And Tom was calling my wife every single day to make sure she was okay and didn't need anything. These are people that stepped up and really helped us out in a time when it could have been a really bad time for us. So to have them stand up, we tried to pay them. They wouldn't let us. Pretty powerful. You're sitting down with a new client. You're working on all your KPIs, realizing that this individual has to be on the block here. Says, hey, what's your wife say about you? Which, can you get into the deep relationships and say, we can fix that? Is it a little too personal? No. For me, coaching is a total life thing. You can't just be in the business. If something's going on at home, it affects the business and vice versa. Um, it's got to be holistic. Absolutely. I had one client reach out to me one night and said, can we talk after work? And I said, sure. He goes, it has nothing to do with uh, with the business. And I said, sure. And at the time, his son, I think, was 12. And he said, he is going to be in jail in six months if things don't turn around and I don't know what to do. Now, I am not a psychiatrist. I am not a psychologist. I'm not a therapist. I don't play a noist at all. I don't even play one on TV. But I have seven kids. So I talked to him about maybe some things he could do a little differently with his son and how to engage him a little differently. And two weeks later, he called me up in, in tears and said, the relationship has completely changed in two weeks. Mm. Wow. And thank you. I have saved marriages. I've helped guys go through divorce. I helped one guy find love. I mean, not on purpose, but it's a part of the right. process, right? I joke, there's a couch on the other side of this monitor. There's, there's a reason for the couch, you know, because you do get, it's a total thing. If it's going to be really successful, you're going to talk about some ugly stuff. It's one of those things in life, and it's a phrase, I'm still unpacking it. I don't like it because it speaks to, I got to change. But the phrase is, how you do one thing is how you do everything. And is it altruistic? I don't know, but I sure have proven that over and over again. So what I do in my business shows up my personal life. What I do in my personal life shows up my business. If I'm avoiding something, if I'm isolating, it happens in business. If I'm proactive and dynamic and, and humble and driven in business, it shows up in everything, relationships and that, and everything flourishes. It's like, as we look at the choices, the results we're actually producing, we got to ask ourselves, what's the choice I made to produce that result? And the choice is typically not a physical action because a physical action resulted from a thinking that resulted from a feeling or a belief system. And if we want to change that result, we got to change that belief system. Guys, this has gone beyond my expectations, but I knew it would. You three are incredible leaders and coaches in your own right. What is leadership coaching is what we talked about. And I think we got into the heavy and nitty gritty about 
you and the changes that coaches expect to make in you as a leader that will mirror, as I, one of the words I said earlier, into your business. Let's go around the room. Any final thoughts as we kick off the new year 2024 with this great episode? We'll do Coach Dave, Dan, and then Rick. Dave? You know, as we head into this year, I've heard it said that 2024 is a year of open door. And I believe this year for most people, it's going to be an open door into the realm of intangible. Leadership is about intangible. I get shop owners and I've had my days. I don't want to talk about touchy feely stuff, but in reality, the tangible influences your tangible. Robert Kiyosaki did a study that your emotional intelligence 25 times more powerful than your intellectual as far as actually doing something. Go after the intangible. Challenge yourself to be a better version of you from character traits, from character qualities this year. And you'll be amazed. And if you're going to take that introspective journey to be a better version of you, don't be your own tour guide. Get a coach, get a pastor, get a mentor, get somebody who's not emotionally attached to your thinking and your feelings that will help guide you. Thanks so much, Dave. CEO, CompuTrek Automotive Solutions, former shop owner, Dan Taylor. Wow, I should have went first. Nice job, Dave. I would add, and I concur with everything Dave said, our self-image is a deciding fact. So if you can't break out of how you see yourself, you've got to get assistance doing that. You and I did an episode with Rod Olson about speaking greatness into people. That's my mantra. I, I want great things for people personally and professionally. A lot of times we as outsiders viewing somebody else's life, see them differently than they see themselves. We see the better version of them. So join in with somebody and help them get you to the spot of being that different person, that better version of yourself. And you've got to break out of your own self-image. And, and that's what we're here to, to help you with that. Thank you so much, Dan Taylor, Senior Business Advisor, Transformers Institute. Speaking greatness into your people, episode 889. We did that in October. Thank you so much. Rick White. So I think one of the things that you really need to change is what the expectation of a leader is. It is not being perfect. It is not having all the answers because none of us can measure up to that. And if you are biblical at all, every hero in the Bible is a broken human being with yeah. fatal flaws that did amazing things. I truly believe that leadership sometimes is not something I do. I think leadership is something that comes through me. Yeah if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And if you will just allow that to happen and just be you and realize that's enough and have a destination that people can get excited about and allow yourself to suck as you go through this process, because you can't get to greatness without going through suck, but go through suck and do it hard, do it long. And before you know it, you're going to still not feel like a leader. I've been doing this guys. How long you guys been doing it? We've been doing, I've been doing this 40 years, right? As a leader, 20 years as a coach. And I still don't feel like I'm qualified. And, but every once in a while I'll stop and I'll turn around and I'll look back and I'll go, wow, look at how far I've come. And it's pretty damn amazing. That's what I would leave it with. Rick, that makes you hungry, baby. That makes you hungry. Rick, Rick White, 180Biz. Wow, guys, thank you. What a way to start 2024. A heavy episode, so much here, transformative. Thank you all so much. Happy New Year. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.